Welcome back to the podcast. This episode is so incredibly powerful. It totally blew me away. Squid, whose real name is Michael, gave his testimony at our recent church Christmas camp in front of around about 500 people. The amazing part is that just over a year before, he was suffering from anxiety so severely that he hadn't even left the house in months and it affected his physical body to the point where his limbs would lock up and he couldn't move. His wife Beth talks about how despite him suffering since before they were married and for many years after, she never lost faith that God would heal him. This is a must listen. To not only learn about the depths of suffering that anxiety, depression and mental illness can cause, but of the amazing grace and love that God brings and his amazing healing power. Just a quick warning about the content though. We obviously believe in the ability for God to heal all manner of physical, emotional and mental illnesses. However, if you need immediate help regarding mental health, in Australia contact Beyond Blue Support Service via phone on 1300 22 46 36 or www.beyondblue.org.au or contact Lifeline on 131114 or www.lifeline.org.au. If you're not in Australia, then please see your general practitioner, local mental health service or your local hospital emergency department. Time to get into the interview. Squid and Beth, welcome to the Revival on the Air Today podcast. Thank you. It's nice to be here. We're at Karakalinga Camp, just south of Adelaide, in our caravan, (laughs) (laughs) with microphones stuck in our faces. Yes. Pretty windy outside, so it might be a little bit noisy, but... uh, Hopefully everyone will be able to hear us just perfectly. So you've got a pretty amazing testimony, which I heard for the first time actually last night. When first you, time, really? Yeah, I didn't actually know uh, your testimony. Uh, so you were on stage in front of about, I reckon, 500 people somewhere, last night. Yeah, somewhere about there. Which most people go, well, that's pretty scary. Um, but uh, it's all the more amazing when we uh, delve into your testimony. So mm. um, thanks for both coming along and, and sharing. Because it's a joint testimony, really, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, brilliant. So uh, maybe just start. Did you both grow up in, um, you know, with spiritual believing parents? Yeah, I, I, um, I grew up with, yeah, as you said, spirit-filled and believing parents. Um, to, uh, yeah, always grew up um, knowing that uh, God was real and, yeah. and that, um, you know, anything that we needed, we could, uh, we could pray and, and he would deliver for us. Yeah, okay. And Beth, same for you? Yeah, um, so my mum came along when I was three, uh, when my parents split up. And so pretty much growing up, always believing in God and coming along to camps and, you know, kids camp and all that sort of stuff. So I always definitely knew that God was there and just a slightly different experience from Squid. And, um, you know, we never really had much to do with each other because he was at Elizabeth and I was at Woodcroft mm. and that's like worlds apart, even though it's only an hour apart. <laughs> so for those that are you know, listening who don't understand the geography of Adelaide, that's sort of north north and south of Adelaide, <laughs> yeah. about, a, yeah. you know, about as far as ways you can get from each other. So Squid, we have to address the, yes. the, squi- the, the Squid my, in the room. My, What's my... What's with the name? The dichotomy of my name, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, I just... Uh, uh, only only hours after I was born, my uncle named me Squid because of uh, certain bodily functions that happen to babies. Um, so, yeah, I've always been called Squid. Is that right? Since, yeah. you're, since, you're, since wow. I was born. There yeah, you go. I knew that I was Squid before I knew I was Michael, so... Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. So, we'll refer, <laughs> we'll refer to you as Squid today. Sure. Um, okay. <laughs> To keep it real for you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's uh, let's get stuck into your test, Miss Squid. Sure. Um, wh- where did it start? Um, I guess um, specifically my anxiety 
uh, testimony began um, in uh, 2013, June or July, uh, in the Adelaide Convention there for the Revival Fellowship. I, um, uh, I, I think I, I had. Uh, I had given an item during that camp, hadn't I? Yeah, or was that, yeah. Uh, that, sorry, I that's so. um, that convention, and I was on stage. And you're a, you're a guitar playing singer, uh, type singer, singer, yeah, yep. singer for the most part. And um, we had a young people's choir, and I led one of the songs and, and did a solo and, and whatnot. So sure, you wouldn't, I remember, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah you okay. wouldn't think that yeah. um, sort of bubbling behind the surface there was was uh, you know the the volcano was about to erupt, so to mm-hmm. speak, but. Um, after all that was done, I was sitting in the middle of convention. There's a thousand people around me, and I, I, I felt wrong. I felt um, separate from the crowd. I felt um, like I was the only real person in the room, and everybody around me was um, like a trap or a, a monster, you know, waiting to jump out at me. And so I, uh, I and had you had those those sort of feelings before or was that sort of new and foreign to no, you? No, it was it was very new and foreign to me. I, I like I've never enjoyed crowds particularly. Um, me, ne- me neither. I'm not a crowd yeah, guy. Yeah. I'd rather and, be I'd rather be behind the microphone yeah. here. And and I'd never enjoyed the stage either. I, I I sort of pushed myself through it because, you know, um you know, I'm a I'm a reasonably talented singer and and that's a shame to hide that. So I persevered and did this sort of stage thing but um yeah i've never liked crowds or stage and uh but it wasn't it wasn't anything like this um so i couldn't i couldn't explain it and i just left i don't think i even said anything to anybody i just walked out and uh, went out got some air and and went out and looked over the torrents and i had a panic attack um standing out looking at the torrents and there's people eating lunch at a restaurant to my left and people looking over and and wondering what was going on and so what does a what does a panic attack look like for those that don't understand what that is? Um, so usually the first thing that happens is your heart your heartbeat raises, it starts thumping and going really fast, like you're really nervous. Then you start breathing really quickly and heavily, um, and um, then some weird things start to happen because your body's not getting the oxygen that you need. And um, for me particularly, it can can be can vary for some people, but for me. It started with the roof of my mouth would get um, tingles and I'd feel like my teeth were going to fall out and then it would spread to my whole face and I'd feel like my face was going to fall off. Um, it's a really weird sensation and if it continues um, eventually all my limbs would lock up and I'd end up in, a, in the fetal position and, and, and uh, sort of writhing on the floor, um, not being able to control sort of my reality really, not being able to control what I knew was real and what was not and... And uh, you can you can really bring up the the demons in your mind, you know. You can really bring up your worst nightmares and and really believe that they're they're real during these panic attacks. But um, yeah, this one out on the torrents wasn't perhaps that dramatic, um, but uh, it certainly wasn't easy in in any case. And I'd, I'd had a panic attack before in my childhood, but um, not not to not to the same scale as what would come. Um, so yeah. Beth, where were you at this point? Were you? I was still in the meeting, and I noticed that he'd been gone for a little while, and I thought, oh, that's weird. I should probably just go check on him. Um, and that's really weird for us. We're pretty, um, we've been pretty independent of each other, mm, but still together because he was living in Mount Gambier at the time, and I was living in Adelaide. Um, I was at uni. To clarify, we'd been dating for six yes. months. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> And hey, so I, I did that. My wife and I did that long yeah. distance dating thing. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. living in Mount Gambia. She yep. was living in Adelaide. There you go. Hey, I get it. I understand. Yes. Good recipe. Um, 
So I, I think, honestly, looking back, I think the Lord sort of gave me a little nudge and went, you need to, you need to go outside. And I went outside and I found him and he told me what had happened. He was sort of finished by then. And I said, oh, you, you just had a panic attack because I'd had them going through year 12 a couple of times. So the same sort of, you know, quickening of the breath and the heart rate and you can't calm down and you can't quite cry. You can't let all of the emotion out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a horrible feeling. Wouldn't wish it on anybody. Um, and so I went out with him and had a little bit of prayer with him. But then we went back in and he was okay for pretty much the rest of convention. And we, Just still, minute, yeah. we still went out for fellowship with the saints. Mm. And so didn't think too much about it at that point. Um, just thought, okay, you know, some people get really nervous here at camp on New Year's Eve with the hundreds of people that are here. And I know lots of people who get uncomfortable at convention because there are so many people around. Um, just hadn't really thought too much about it at that point. Mm. Okay. So what happened after convention? Um, over the next sort of few weeks leading up to maybe three months, I, I began to get them first, you know, a couple of week and then, and then, you know, it progressed until I was happy, having a couple of day. Whoa. Um, yeah, it just really sort of opened the floodgates. Um, I was, uh, yeah, there was nothing particularly stressful going on in my life either. I was, um, I was happy. I was doing, I was in my third, third year of my apprenticeship. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd been, I'd been going out with Beth and I was pretty sure I was going to ask her to marry me pretty soon. And <laughs> like, it, things were, things were great. Oh, there was nothing really stressful going on. And so I couldn't really understand what, why this was happening. At first I put it down to, like, I thought I might've been, um, uh, undiagnosed, uh, perhaps like ADHD or somewhere on the autism spectrum or something like that, because I really felt that I was broken. I really felt that, um, there was, there was something wrong with me um like with my brain and 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 it it just didn't feel uh, uh, the way i saw the people everybody else around me i I felt like they um you know could control themselves and could and could think clearly all the time and things like that and i sort of um which of course everybody's complicated and everyone struggles with with their their emotions and their, you know, controlling themselves. But I just, I thought something was so broken um, and I didn't know what it was. And I was, I was hiding it from my parents who I still lived with. And did you know Beth? Did you know what was? Yeah. Yeah. So when he would have a panic attack, um, he would call me and we would have some prayer. um, And I was constantly telling him, you know, you need to tell your parents because I can't be there with you all the time. You know, Adelaide's 500 kilometers away from Mount Gambia. Um, and I was, you know, really pushing him to tell his parents, but he wouldn't. And in the end, I sort of dobbed him in. Mm-hmm. Um, he was having a panic attack and, uh, I was in Adelaide. It wasn't the time I can't be told it wrong last night. Oh, was it? Okay. It was at a different time. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was in Adelaide and he was, he called me because he was having a panic attack and it wasn't subsiding. Normally I would pray for him and he would be okay. I could hear him calm down, but it wasn't, it wasn't happening this time. And, uh, so I just, I called, I sent a message to his parents while I was on the phone praying for him and just said, go into Squid's room. And he, they went in and I heard them and, uh, one of them picked up the phone and said that they were in there now. And then, you know, they sort of hung up and had prayer and would call me back later and said that they knew now and they'd had a chat about it and were going to start praying for him because now they knew something was wrong. They knew what was wrong. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they probably picked up that something was wrong. Yeah. But now, but now there was a now there was a name, name to it, wasn't mm-hmm. there? Yeah. yeah. And at this stage, I hadn't gone to a doctor or I hadn't yeah. done anything like that. That must have been pretty hard for you being so far away, Beth. Yeah. To it, someone you obviously was. clearly cared for, um, for them to be you know, um, going through that. 
yes, it's very difficult to watch someone you love mm. suffer and there's nothing you can do. Yeah. But like um, in the talk, one of the talks last night, you know, there's nothing you can do but pray, but that's all you can do. And that's the best thing that's to do. That's the best do. thing to do. Yeah. But as humans, you want to do the practical things first. Yeah. It's kind of urging him to go to the doctor to see what what was wrong, what specifically. Um, but because of his mum's experiences with depression, he was a bit nervous about medication and stuff like that. And doing my best to respect that. So just praying for him a lot, all the time. So now, you're, so now your parents knew. Hmm. What happened after that? Um, it was still, I mean, not a secret, but it was still not really talked about sort of amongst the fellowship in Mount Gambia. Um, there's, uh, at the time there was probably 40 people in fellowship in Mount Gambia. Um, and so I would, I was still, uh, able to go to meetings, but uh, every now and then I would, I would duck out, you know, I'd do the whole, uh, I'd go to the toilet several times during the meeting, but you know, I didn't need to go. I just needed to get out of the room basically. And, um, uh, yeah, I just was behaving weirdly, I guess, from, from the outside and, um, it still wasn't talked about. And I, um, I guess eventually I, I, you know, ended up talking one-on-one -on -one with a lot of people, you know, over supper or over whatever it was, but, uh, it sort of crept through the assembly that I, that that's what I was suffering with. And, um, yeah, I ended up, um, getting a few people that, uh, on side that really helped. Um, really helped me as a particular um, sort of older couple, maybe my parents' age, um, that really helped. Um, and uh, yeah, it just um, it it just sort of developed. It, it got it got worse. It started affecting my work. Um, I, went, I had a few panic attacks at work, and and one in particular, I was um, it was sort of the end of the day, and everybody was in the workshop. I'm an electrician, by the way, industrial electrician. And uh, all, all the guys were packed up and waiting for the clock to tick over to, <laughs> to clock on the time. And I, I wasn't there. I was um, I was in the uh, the locker room having a panic attack in the shower cubicle. Whoa. Um, and uh, this one was a bad one. And I ended up um, completely locking up. I couldn't move my arms and legs. And uh, one of my coworkers, I didn't really speak much with um he sort of we sort of knew each other's names and that's about it but he came in and thought i was having a seizure so he ran out and got the first aider and my boss and um they were talking about calling an ambulance and whatever and i'm trying to convince them although through clenched jaw because i couldn't move my muscles very well um that i didn't need an ambulance that it would pass and that i just needed 10 minutes and and to to get over this but that's sort of again similar to, to how my parents found out you know my workplace uh, all found out um sort of around the same time and um yeah it really started to affect me i got pulled off of certain jobs because you know um what's the risk that you're going to have a panic attack in a dangerous situation or whatever and um uh after a certain amount of time i started having days off of work I uh, made an arrangement that I would work for 10-hour days instead of my five, eight, and I would have Wednesdays off in the middle of the week because I, I started to not be able to cope working every day. And um, I really only just got over the line to finish my apprenticeship. Um, yeah. Which in itself is sort of a blessing, really, because yeah. without that, we would have been in trouble now. Um, and the Lord really gave Squid a boss who understood. He had a uh, – was it his wife? Yeah, his had wife had, had, had experience anxiety with anxiety and... as well. Um, and in over this span that he's talking about, we'd gotten engaged and I'd moved to Mount Gambier and we'd gotten married. Um, and there were lots of 
Yeah, yeah you are. That's okay. <laughs> you focus on the anxiety, I'll talk about the rest of the sure. stuff. <laughs> you know, you were sort of living just that one part. Yeah, of living in our my life. own head, yeah. Um, you know, and it was a real blessing that he was able to finish up his apprenticeship because I'd just started uni. I'm a teacher now. Um, but I'd just started uni, so I wasn't working very much. Mm. Um, he was, you know, bringing in the money for us and um yeah, there were a lot of blessings along the way. And like Squid said in his testimony last night, when we got married, he was really panicking that he would have an, an, a panic attack during our wedding and people would think he was trying to ditch me. Um, <laughs> and I was a little bit worried about it too. I had some prayer with my bridesmaids the morning of, um, and it was just a very calm, happy day. You know, lots of people cry at their weddings, but neither of us did because we were just so relieved that we yeah. were yeah. both there and happy. Yeah. Um, there were lots of times like that where things would ease just a little bit, just enough to give us a break and I remember, to renew our strength. I remember somebody remarking um, a couple of weeks or sort of after we got back from our honeymoon that at my wedding was the first time they'd seen me smile in close to a year. Whoa! Yeah, because really? um, I was I was calm enough around people to to be smiling and to be happy and stuff like that. Um, that that day was a, a real blessing, you know, beyond just getting married. Um, being able to have my mind again for that day and and for the couple of weeks, you know, our honeymoon and 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 stuff like that. And did either of you question getting married? No. Well, ah. no, I didn't. <laughs> um, so when you're having a panic attack, all of your all of your doubts come right to the yeah, forefront yeah, of your yeah. mind. And I remember this one heartbreaking time. Squid dropped me off back at my place in Mount Gambier and um, he was just sobbing, begging me not to marry him. Mm. And I said, no, it's for better, for worse, and that starts now. You know, richer, poorer, sickness and in health. We've yeah. done a lot now. <laughs> um, and I just said, this isn't you, this person right mm. now. I'm like, and I don't, I don't believe you. So... I'm, I'm going to marry you. Wow. And we even had to step out in faith a little bit to get married because logically we should have had a very small wedding, but we didn't want that. We wanted to celebrate with, well, our families are huge. So it was about a hundred just family and then, yeah. you know, 60, <laughs> 60 to 80 friends. Um, and it, so it was a real leap of faith even to have the wedding we did have yes. rather than just, you know, nick off to the registry and mm. not avoid all the fuss. Um, so where did you get married? In Adelaide or in Mount Gambia? In Mount Gambia. And whereabouts? Um, the Rose Garden, the Rose Garden. Yeah. Um, sort of main corner yeah. of, of Mount Canberra. You know it. Yeah, yeah. You know Mount yeah. Canberra. We, we thought the Rose Garden was cute because my maiden name is Rose. Nice. <laughs> nice. It was, yeah, it was, it was amazing that uh, even that I, I have clear memories of, of our wedding because a lot of that time, a lot of the time that I'm talking about, I sort of have really vague, fuzzy yeah, right. memories because just my, my mind was just broken. Yeah. Um, but I, I very clearly remember our wedding and, and, um, and our honeymoon. If, if you don't remember any day, that's that's <laughs> yeah, a, that's, that's, a, that's a day you want to remember. Well, on our honeymoon, we went to the Gold Coast. So we went to the theme parks, hundreds yeah. and thousands of people, and he was fine. It was like, praise the Lord. He gave us, I think it was a couple of months. Yeah, yeah. There, there was some married. time when we got back that it, that uh, that I was sort of clear and and able to function and um, stuff like that. But um, but yeah, but. But, but then, but. what happened after that? I mean, it wasn't it wasn't time yet, was it? So, uh, um, I mean, things just I don't know I don't know that there was a tipping point, but things just steadily got worse again mm. as they had before. Um, uh, and like I said, just uh, not long after uh, we got married, uh, I finished up my apprenticeship, um, and I was looking for work 
after that because my uh, my employer was the type to sort of train up an apprentice and, and then let them go and find their own work and everything. Um, so yeah, I was looking for work and I couldn't find it and it was stressing me out and stressing Beth out and um, yeah, things just really spiraled at that point. Um, and very rapidly, uh, it wasn't long until, um, I mean, I, I did get a little bit of work. I got, um, what, three, four months yeah, of work. Three, four months. Um, but yeah, I, uh, things, things just got really, really bad. I remember, um, sort of three months or four months into that, uh, that job, I was, um, helping out a different team. We were, um, replacing a lot of the pokey machines in the Mount Gambia RSL and moving them to a different room. It was a big job. Um, so they pulled everybody from all different projects onto it. And um, I had a panic attack in the middle of the Mount Gambia RSL at lunchtime. Um, and I sat down on the floor and I could, literally couldn't move. I couldn't move my legs and I couldn't... Um, and nobody understood what was happening to me. I mean, my, the person that I worked with the closest knew that I, I had these attacks. But sort of my, my boss, again, this time didn't know. And, and uh, this boss was a little... Not less understanding, but he sort of didn't have the um, the personal experience that my my previous boss had had. But um, yeah, so I had this panic attack, and and uh, I uh, I just didn't go back to work the next day, and the next day, and and it, uh, a couple of months went by, and I realised that I should probably go back so and get my tools. So you had me back to work for a few no, months, and I hadn't, yeah. I hadn't rung my boss. We just we just both understood. I, I couldn't I couldn't work. I couldn't do it. And so, had you had you sought any medical help or anything yeah, at this by point? This, this, by this stage, I had, um, yeah, I'd been I'd been doing counselling, and you'd been diagnosed with yeah. first panic disorder, yeah. then generalised anxiety disorder. Yeah. And so, what's their, you know, what's their treatment? What's their advice? How, um, how do they work through that? To begin with, I resisted medication. Yeah. And I really didn't want to go down that path. I'd seen the rigmarole that you go with trying to figure out what your medication should be and 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 how badly it can spiral if you get it wrong um so i didn't i didn't want that and uh, so apart from that all that could be done was was counseling um and was that helping or changing you know the severity of what you were dealing with it was helping yes um but the 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 my counselor was um he was a christian but not as we would know it um, and he didn't believe in divine healing and, um, sort of didn't fully understand where I was coming from about what my relationship with God was. Mm. He was more interested in using prayer as a form of meditation and things like that. I mean, it was good that he encouraged me to keep praying and, and then, of course there was a few natural things that helped. I got some, um, exercises that I could do to, to, um, detangle my brain, if you know what I mean, when I was, I was feeling like a panic attack was, was about to happen. Um, so yeah, it was helping sort of um, day to day, but it wasn't it wasn't stopping the trend of, of things getting worse. You know, it wasn't solving it. No, certainly not. Yeah. No, just sort of managing it a little bit. Yeah, okay. And eventually, you did go on medication. Eventually, I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, it sort of reached a point. Uh, things were getting re- real bad. What What does real bad look like? Because it already uh-huh. sounds it already sounds real bad to well, me. One particular real bad time. Um, there were lots of things, you know, um, if Squid was having a panic attack and I was there, he was sort of okay. But if someone else came, like his mum came up to him once and he just, the look on his face, he didn't recognize her and he was terrified of her. And she's not a scary woman. He loves his mum. Hmm. Um, but he was terrified of anyone who wasn't me in those moments. 
Um, and there were sometimes, normally he would, you know, if you think of a, a bottle of Coke shaking up and then you let all the pressure out, he would feel better after a panic attack, mm -hmm. like the pressure had been released. Yeah. Um, one particular time, though, the panic attacks kept happening. He would he would finish one and then immediately straight on to another panic attack. And that happened three or four times um, and we ended, ended up having to call an ambulance because nothing was working. I, I couldn't even pray anymore. I was so upset. I was just sobbing. I was really – that was the time I thought I was going to lose him yeah. to this. Um, and that was a really hard time. Obviously, and by the time, praise the Lord, by the time we got to the hospital, he was okay. Um, Though those panic attacks that yeah. that's cyclical, they keep going and going. You know, after the one stops, the next one starts. They they hurt physically. They hurt like your lungs are working so hard, and um, when you're that badly um, starved of oxygen, your muscles burn. Burn yeah. like you can't believe. I felt like I was in a pool of acid. Wow. Um, they burn so bad, and it does for days afterwards. I, the day after that, I slept the whole yeah. the whole day. Um, yeah, they so beyond just being emotionally draining, they actually really hurt. Wow, that's amazing. And you know, there were a few times when it had been going on for a long time, a few years, two or three years by this point. You know, you'd get a bit, he'd get a bit down and the Lord's not saving me. Mm. Um, and I remember in the middle of one panic attack, he just cried out, Lord, kill me, because he knew that he couldn't take his own life mm. and he didn't want to do that mm. to himself or to me or to anyone else who cared about him, but he didn't want to live anymore. Yeah. And there were a few times when I went to the meeting not knowing what I was going to come home to yeah. and I just really had to go, Lord, you've just got to keep him around. just Because I, I never had any doubt that eventually he would be healed. And I used to say to Squid, I used to say, either you're going to get healed or the Lord's going to come back and either way is good with me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there were a few things we used to do, like uh, before we would go into a meeting or a camp, you know, I'd get him to say, I am a son of the living God and I will not be afraid. And he'd go, but I am afraid. I'm like, but you've got to just keep saying it. Trick your brain. <laughs> um, it's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? Yeah. Because that's exactly what, who we are. And. And suffering as I was, I I didn't want to say it a lot of the time because I, I uh, how do I put it? I didn't. It's a, such a such a powerful statement, and I didn't feel powerful. I didn't feel like I earned the title of the Son of the Living God. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not something that can be earned, though. No, is that's it? right. Mm. Wow. So you're now two or three three years in. Yep. Yeah. Well, I feel like we should talk about Youngies Camp last year. Was it last year? Yeah, I think it was last year. So uh, 2017, um, the Adelaide Youngies had a camp survivor, yep. and the theme was He That Endures to the End, the same as Shall Be Saved. Yeah. And uh, we always came up to Adelaide Youngies camp. That actually, unfortunately, fell on the same weekend as Mount Gambia's camp, but we were just, we needed some Youngies time. I really cherished those times at camp because, praise the Lord, I'm really blessed that anxiety and depression, mental illnesses are selfish in nature, but Squid was still able to be selfless and let yeah. me go off on my own and recharge at That's camp. That's right. These camps were terrifying to me because there's a lot of people crammed in a in a space and there's a lot of shouting and singing and, you know, everything that goes. So I was really scared to come to these camps, but I knew that Beth needed it. She yeah. needed to recharge. She needed to socialize. She needed yeah. to. Yeah. And this particular camp, you know, it was about enduring and um, we got, we drove to all the way from Mount Gambia to Adelaide, straight into camp. 
and Squid all of a sudden was in extreme pain, physical pain. I knew he wasn't having a panic attack. I knew what that looked like. In the end, I had to drive him to the hospital. I was in tears going, you know, the Lord doesn't give us more than we can bear. And I was like, surely this is it, Lord. Like, <laughs> I, what think, I you, think I've reached my limit. <laughs> what are you doing? I, I can't handle any more drama in my life. And anyway, I took him to the hospital and he had to have a medical procedure. And the be all and end all of that, you know, people were saying to me, it's a blessing. It must be a blessing. It's not a blessing. It's a pain. Um, but he came back to camp and he was on basically morphine throughout the whole camp to manage the pain. And he was so on that and out of it that he sat in the meetings and he came to the meals and I was going, oh, they're all right. It was a blessing, you know, uh, not the kind I wanted, but, you know, the Lord always does that to us. And at this camp, it was really pressed onto us that, you know, enduring is having patience and acceptance. And if you're just patient enough, God will move. And he's not going to move the way you want him to because he's smarter than us. And this, at this stage, really... I hadn't, um, I hadn't been going to to meetings. Not, not for lack of trying, but I hadn't had meetings for a long time. Yeah, um, it was really hard to get to them. Yeah. Um, so you're yeah. still, in, you're still in the mountains. Yeah, yes. living in the mountains. Yeah. Still in Mount Gambier at this point. Yep. Um, and that camp really changed my walk. Really reinvigorated me, and I just went, you know what? If I'm patient enough, things will change. Mm. Things will make a move. Mm. And it was about that time we decided to move back to Adelaide. Um, we sort of viewed it a little bit as a re retreat to the home army base. You know, we'd been out on location for a long time and all of my natural family live in Adelaide and all of the friends that I grew up with in Adelaide were all still there. And I just felt like we needed the safety of being able to disappear a little bit into a big fellowship. In a small fellowship, they need you at everything you really yeah. depended on, which was great when we first got married, but was becoming really stressful. Yeah. When and I, we were trying, we were in survival mode. Yeah. And even though... um even though in Mount Gambia, you know, I had my family and, and people that I loved. Um, Got to say that um, I had been at this stage uh, pretty much confined to my house for a long time. I, I was so afraid to leave the house and even I couldn't let people into my house. Um, I remember on one particular occasion, my dad and, and this brother that came to, to give me communion um, on the Sunday because it had been several weeks since I'd... Um, since I'd been able to get to a communion, even just 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 for communion, you know, um, and uh, I couldn't I couldn't let them in the door. Um, just the thought of them coming into my house was um, terrifying to me, and I, I couldn't I couldn't couldn't let, I had to get Beth to send them away because I couldn't let them in the house. And that's my dad, mm. and and this brother that I, I've known for so long, mm. you know. Um, I couldn't let so, them in the house. So I think you said something like last night that you you'd actually not left the house for one point for three months or something. Yeah, yeah, that was um, a bit before this this camp. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah okay, yeah. Um, yeah, that's there was a period there where I didn't. Yeah, I didn't leave the house for. I reckon it was close to three months. Yeah, and um, so much so, like I, I basically lived my entire life on my computer. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, on the internet and mm. talking with friends. That was the only way I yeah. could actually reach people. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I didn't leave the house for for so long that when I finally did, one day. Um, I saw some grass in the median strip on the road and uh, I was just awestruck at how green the grass was because I'd forgotten how, how what, what colour grass was. I'd forgotten the colour green, if you know what I mean. I, I, yeah, because I hadn't seen it in so long. 
It's almost like someone who's released from prison, isn't it? Yeah. yeah they they, <laughs> they they realize the amazingness of what's what the outside world is mm. like. Wow. So you come to this camp, you you're reinvigorated. Yeah, we um we decide once and for all to make the move back to Adelaide and we went, "Lord, we've decided." So now you need to bless it. Yeah. Mm. And uh, we attempted to make the move a couple of times and it had fallen through. We were like, "Oh, the Lord will, the Lord will give us a sign when it's time to go." And actually it was my brother who told me no, just do it and the Lord will bless it. You know, um, if it's what you feel like you need, go for it. And I applied for, um, I was in my fourth year, about to start my fourth year of uni at this point, and I applied for an internship to be working at a school um, for my final year. And in I Adelaide. got that. Yeah, in Adelaide, and I got that. And through that came a job in their out of school hours care, got that. So job was sorted. And then we just moved. We didn't have the money for it. We didn't have anywhere to go, but it was all blessed. You know, we had people who helped us with the move, people who paid for the moving van. We moved in with my dad um, for for a little while, and it was it was just so of the Lord all the timing. Mm. And um, Squid felt comfortable enough at my dad's house to be okay. And from there we went, okay, now we'll decide which centre in Adelaide we'll go to, where we'll fellowship. And um, like Squid said last night, we decided we'd give everywhere a go because I grew up at Woodcroft and he grew up at Elizabeth. Um, so we went to Woodcroft twice. I actually, actually didn't want to fellowship at Elizabeth yeah. <laughs> because I'd had these hangovers from my childhood and I sort of was like, oh, if I go back there, they'll just see me as... Kids a kid, <laughs> you know, and won't recognise, um, you know, how much I've grown since then or, or anything like that. So we actually didn't want to end up at Elizabeth. Yeah. Well, the Lord has a plan. Yeah. Um, yeah, we decided we'd go everywhere twice and we'd go to a house. We'd try and go, get to a house meeting in those times and we'd go to the event, whatever it was. Yeah, we went to Woodcroft twice and Squid sat in the car. Yeah, both times I ended up in the car and, and couldn't face the meeting. And he left after the first meeting on one of those weeks. Mm. Um, we decided through a set of odd circumstances to go to Elizabeth next, um, which is further away than the Vogue, so I'm not sure why we did that. Um, and, yeah, we went into Elizabeth and I went in and chose a special seat so that Squid could run away if he needed to. <laughs> so imagine at this point, you know, a few years in, you're still praying, obviously, for a healing. Yeah. Yes. And I imagine there are other people still praying yes. for you for a healing, and prayer and fast and all sorts of things, mm -hmm. I, I, I imagine. Mm -hmm. Had your prayer life changed over that period of time? Had it got stronger, you know, more determined, less determined? You know, was the turning point perhaps for you the you know the camp around the you know, the patients thing? Like, what what helped along that, that way? That, I mean, that camp was so important for Beth, but it it didn't necessarily do a lot for me. I mean, I got to a few meetings and and uh, it was very just very important for Beth. Mm. Um, but at this point, when we'd moved to Adelaide, I you know the, the re part of the reason why we moved to Adelaide is because I'd given up on myself. I'd given up on the idea that I would be able to to ever work again or to you know I, I had i had i had read i'd readied myself that this might be forever this yeah. might be for the rest of my life and our lives together yeah. so and so i wanted to move to adelaide to make sure beth had the support that she needed you know in family and friends yeah. and i um i stopped praying for myself and i started praying for beth to have the strength to to deal with this because uh, you know we were married and and 
you know, for better or for worse. And it was, uh, <laughs> it was certainly pretty rough, but, and so I wanted to make sure that she was, she was strong enough to, you know, she was still finishing the last year of her degree mm. and trying to work and do this, uh, unpaid internship at the same time. And it was just, it was a lot for her. And I, I, I'd given so up your, on myself. So your, so your prayer changed yeah. from you know, yeah. requesting a personal healing yeah. to praying for Beth, um, uh, for her to have, you know, the strength to, to be able to continue to support. Um, I think my prayer changed. I think I was kind of always generally praying, you know, Lord, deliver Squid from this, deliver us from this. And, you know, along the way there were times when money got very tight. I was like, Lord, please provide for us. And he always did. We never ran out. We never went wanting. And um, I think for me it was it became, all right, Lord, give me the patience I need, give me the strength I need. And he always did. There were times when I was like, you know what, this is way too much work. I'm sick of all of it. And and then the Lord would just give me peace and strength and I'd go. And I never doubted that Squid was going to be healed one way or another. And I just prayed every every morning I prayed, Lord, get us both through this day. And then at night I would pray, Lord, thank you for getting us through this day. And, you know, every day just not thinking about what tomorrow would be. And for these three, four years, um, so we've been together for nearly six years and it was about four and a half of that was with the anxiety. Um, for that whole time, our life had been on hold. You know, I was at uni, um, but Squid wouldn't let me quit to work more. Mm. Um, and we couldn't plan. We couldn't do the young married, go overseas and visit other fellowships thing because he couldn't get anywhere near an airport. Um, we couldn't plan to have children because kids freaked him out while he was anxious. And so our entire lives were just spent in this limbo mm. of not being able to plan for anything. So I just went, all right, just give me the strength for today. That's all that I need to deal with yeah. just today. Um, and that's definitely, I think I became a lot more present in my walk with the Lord, not planning for yeah, okay. the future. It was just, okay, what's, what's today going to bring? Um, and I think it just definitely turned more to my Bible and read a bit of Job. I was like, Job had patience. I can have patience. <laughs> 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 we all tend to Job at times yep. like that, don't we? <laughs> so now you so you're off to Elizabeth for a meeting. Yes. Yes. Um yeah, uh the the, the night the night before, um, we had been staying for a couple of days with my brother and his wife and um she had been uh close with another sister, an older sister, who who had had gone through She'd had a mental breakdown and, and uh, anxiety and everything like that. And uh, she'd received her victory. She'd been healed of it and she was soldiering on in the Lord. And I, uh, uh, this was somebody that I kind of grew up with, friends with my mum and, and um, she'd always been around. And, and I, I looked at her with, looked at her with such jealousy and such enviousness because she'd, she'd gotten the victory and I hadn't. And, you know, uh, as far as our beliefs go, right? God loves us all the same, and He wants to care and provide for us all the same. So why had she gotten this, this healing, and I hadn't? And and Beth and I were still struggling so much, um, and we were staying with with my brother and his his wife, and uh, this sister was over for supper that Saturday night after a prayer and fast, and talking really kind of like this into detail about how how everything uh, went down for her, and um, yeah, it just really. Um, <laughs> How do I put it? Um, it, it made me um, realize 
um, that we weren't playing a game, that, that God really did things. And like, of course, I'd already always known that, but um, I don't know. My just my perspective just shifted that that night. Um, I I really loved this this sister, and I I was so jealous of her, um, and it really got got it put a bee in my bonnet, you know. Um, and I didn't sleep very much that night. Did it put a bee in your bonnet or a fire in your belly? Bit of both, I guess. Even just before he goes on. Um that same day so we hadn't gone to the prayer and fast because we had a family commitment and also it was the prayer and fast where they were going to get the youngies to sit on the stage and squid was like i'm not going anywhere near that (laughs) (laughs) and um so we'd been at this family commitment and when squid got really stressed towards the end it wasn't a panic attack that he had he had mutism he could not physically talk which wasn't uncommon by the way yeah it it did happen a lot a lot so, so what do you mean couldn't? It's like the part of your brain that processes words wasn't working. It was locked up and filled with cement. And I, so you're you're still thinking thoughts, but there's no way to get that actually into, yeah, out, into action. Out of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah, right. Wow. And he didn't look like he was panicking in those moments, but he just couldn't talk at all. And that happened to him that day before we went and had a chat with his sister. And so then, you know, what happened that weekend was even more stuck in my yeah. mind. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I hadn't had much sleep that Saturday night and uh, Sunday morning came and I uh, I used to have a thing about uh, getting ready to go somewhere. I used to, on Sunday mornings, I would get up and if I could have a shower or, or the night before or something um, and get changed as soon as I got up. Because if I if I got ready to go somewhere, I would lose it in the process, and I would have a panic attack, and I couldn't leave. Um, so as was my my usual way of doing things, um, yeah, I because I, um, I, I used to have panic attacks in the shower. Um, those were some of the worst. Anyway, um, but on this morning, I was really really casual, and I got up and I had my breakfast, and I you know had a nice conversation with my brother and. I had a coffee and and it was all really casual and time came to get ready for the meeting and I just jumped in the shower and uh, didn't even really think about it uh, but I was I was determined there was um it was like all of a sudden all my um like uh, like my all my limbs were 10 times more powerful you know and I just was determined to to go through the day and to get the meeting done and 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 to soldier on and and uh, you know, you know, from here on out, I I would not stop. You know, was it the conversation the night before with the other lady who'd been healed? Like, did you think that played a role? In that the- certainly was a was a big yeah a big motivator. Um, because she she her testimony is amazing. Um, she basically she'd she'd um broken down all of all of her experience. She'd been in the Lord for for oh, since her early 20s and she's um 50 something um so 30 odd years and um she, she had this mental breakdown and she had to piece by piece rebuild her rebuild her whole walk and reestablish her walk with the lord and and her prayer life and her relationships with people in the fellowship and with her husband and with her children and and really just rebuilt her whole life and she did it just step by step and not ever stopping and not ever giving up and that that is what fired me up that that idea that okay we're at the bottom now and we just take a step and we keep taking another step and you don't stop and so, so the determination on that sunday was that was that was yeah. exactly that was the determination just the step today yep. is to get to that meeting and today. if this took years i was i was willing but i was not going to stop yep. and i was very determined um 
so yeah, I'm getting ready for the meeting, I just I just went went through the shower and I, I prayed through the shower and and got ready and uh, it was time to go and we got in the car and drove. Uh, at this stage, I didn't trust myself driving, uh, so Beth drove to the meeting and um, I I sort of had this moment of hesitation once we got to the meeting at Elizabeth and we sat in the car park and I, I hesitated whether I would go in or not and I. Um, Beth went in and she arranged for me to have a seat in the sound box. It's at the back of the hall. It's a bit separate from everybody. Yeah, so she'd arranged this seat. And uh, to begin with, I, I didn't want to take it until after the courses because they're quite loud sometimes. So I sat in the car and listened to the courses on the radio. And uh, then I felt I felt good. And I was kind of kicking myself that I'd stayed in the car to begin with. Mm-hmm. So I went in and sat in the seat in the sound box. I still felt good. So uh, after the testimonies, I went and sat next to Beth in the main meeting and I uh, listened through the talk. And that talk was really important as well. It was, yeah, um, Pastor John. Pastor John gave a talk about um, are you prepared for the consequences of your healing, talking about uh, the lame man who, uh, when the angel came and touched the waters in the fountain, he you know, tried to rush in and get there and, and sort of couldn't, couldn't ever do it because nobody was there to help him into the water. And um, yeah, and so... Uh, when Jesus asked, uh, I can't remember the exact wording. Would you be healed? Yeah, would you be healed? Jesus asked this man, would you be healed? Is that what you want? Is that what you, you know? And so the talk was about, are you prepared for the consequences of your healing? Is that, do you actually want to be healed? You know, at the, t- at the time, um, I wasn't, it, it's funny, anxiety uh, is such a, an emotional thing. You would think that this talk, and it aligned with my with my thinking process, you'd think I would be really emotional at, at this talk but I wasn't I was just accepting of it I was like yes that's yes I'm ready let's let's do this I'm prepared let's go yeah and then um I got through the talk and uh the gifts rolled around and we we had we took communion and the gifts came in and I ended up operating a gift of prophecy and um yeah, I was, I was just surprised. Yeah, yeah. Beth standing next to me, and she just about like collapsed in the seat next to me. This is, uh, you know, Squid's first meeting, sitting with me in years at this yeah, point, couple yeah, of years, yeah, year, year, year and a half, two years. Hadn't operated a gift in at least that long, and mm. there I am going, "Whoa!" I was, I was crying. Yeah, in the middle of the gifts. Yeah, um, but it was completely emotionless for me. It was just calm acceptance that yeah, I've been healed, and you know, after in the in the break between meetings, there's kids running around in the foyer, and um, I mean, I used to not be able to be in a in a room with more than one conversation going on, yeah, because I would I would be forced to listen to both conversations, and then my brain would just fill up, yeah, you know, there's twenty or thirty people talking in the foyer, uh, all at the same time, and I was I was focused and I was calm and I was, it was unlike anything that had been for for years, yeah. And it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't emotional for you and it wasn't a special day or it didn't, there was nothing outward that was big that was happening. It was just like you'd come back to that person. It was like it was a normal Sunday and this is what he did every Sunday. And I was just like... A normal Sunday, five years early. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I was just going, who is this person standing there? And it was, I was honestly staring at him the whole day, just like, praise the Lord, this huge thing has happened. It was honestly like... um, you know, like I'd taken off my jacket and left it in the car. I'd taken off my anxiety and left it in the car and just and just gone in healed, you know? Um, and it was like, yeah, it was uh, amazing. I, over the next coming days, um, we really pushed the limits. Um, <laughs> we went to Marion Shopping Centre and... <laughs> 
I don't like marrying shopping centre. <laughs> yeah. I remember remarking, we were talking with a brother that week, and I was like, I remember now, I really hate shopping. <laughs> I hadn't done it in three years. <laughs> Uh, and we went to Rondo Mall and it was when Carnival was happening. Yeah. And there was this big uh, Brazilian drum line and show yeah. and dance and bright flashing colours. And and uh, the thing thing for Beth is that instead of running, running away. away from it, instead of trying to get to some side alley or a shop or something where I can run away from it, I was looking to see what it was and let's go see it. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, which um, was, yeah. it's not a healing yeah. we can ever forget because no part of our life is the same anymore. Nothing. He used to, one of his triggers, weirdly, and this sounds like he was faking it, was he used to get really anxious cleaning the house. And I was like, you're just faking it. But <laughs> <laughs> he would, <laughs> just trying to make me do it. He would honestly get really anxious and upset cleaning the house. And then all of a sudden... It's fine, and he's cleaning the house, and we're going food shopping, and we're going to all the meetings and all the events, and yeah. there is not a single part of our life now that is the same as it was a year ago. It's amazing. It's like, you know, Beth said that we our life was on pause. It's like we just press play, yeah. and and things were exactly how they were before. That's such, a, such an amazing testimony. It's so exciting to hear. And, uh, and you know, there are a number of people, you know, around that are struggling with anxiety today. So yeah, cool. I'm so stoked that you're happy to share uh, the testimony because I think like uh, when you'd uh, talk to that lady that Saturday night, yeah, and that determination, I hope that this testimony brings uh, that to others as well, that uh, the Lord can heal them and the Lord will heal them. Brilliant. Thanks for sharing. Thank you're you. Welcome. Squid's story really embodies the power of sharing our testimonies with each other. Why not share this episode or the podcast in general with people you know? Who knows how it will inspire others to achieve their victory? There's a couple of references to scriptures in the Bible, which I've included links in the show notes for you. Would you like God to change your life like he changed Squid and Beth's? Send me an email on podcast at revivalontheairtoday.com or head over to our website to find out what the Bible says, www.therevivalfellowship.com. Until next time, God bless.